Today on Reparations in Action. African people have fought for, built, accumulated wealth, accumulated, attempted to accumulate power, but it has been taken away with violence over and over and over again. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Uhuru, you're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show, The White Lies Shattered series. My name is Jamie Simpson. Reparations in Action is a program of white solidarity with black power. We believe that reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our podcast weekly. On today's program, we will be playing a presentation delivered by Penny Hess, chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee, the organization of white people formed by and working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to build solidarity with the anti-colonial struggle for African liberation and reparations. Penny Hess joined the African People's Solidarity Committee at its founding conference in 1976 and has, for the past 45 years, worked under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Omalia Shetela to build white solidarity with black power. Chairwoman Penny is also the author of Overturning the Culture of Violence and a regular presenter on this very podcast for our White Lies Shattered series. Today's presentation was recorded on June 12, 2021, at the founding conference of the Reparations Legacy Project, a project of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement that was created after Chairman Amalia Shetela called on the Uhuru Solidarity Movement to organize the moneyed sector of the white community to pay reparations to African people. The Reparations Legacy Project organizes white people with access to financial wealth to take a stand in repairing the damage of slavery and economic injustice through the redistribution of resources toward the black self-determination programs of the Uhuru movement. Here is Penny Hess speaking at the founding conference of the Reparations Legacy Project. Uhuru. Uhuru, thank you, Sarah. And I really want to thank Chair Jesse for that powerful opening and Nick for that incredible video very very incredible and I want to welcome everybody who is participating today and to reiterate that I am the chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee the organization of white people created by the African People's Socialist Party in 1976 to extend the African revolution into white society and to organize other white people for reparations to African people, which we have been doing for a very long time under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. So I have to begin also by saluting Chairman Omali Shatella, who is our leadership, our teacher, our revolutionary model, who has always had the courage, no matter what the prevailing popular wins at any given time, he's always kept the voice and the interest and the aspirations of the African working class 
in the forefront of everything that the African People's Socialist Party has done and that he has done throughout his entire life and brought this message to the world. I salute Deputy Chair Ona Zanea Shetela, a brilliant African woman leader who has put on the ground and leads the more than 50 institutions for economic development and much more that, than that, that she has responsibilities for in the party. Um, but she gives so much leadership every single day to all of the work of the African People's Solidarity Committee's daily work. And I salute all the members and leaders of the African People's Socialist Party inside the United States, in the Caribbean, on the continent of Europe, and of course, on the continent of Africa, that this movement is growing, that African people are going to be free. The African revolution is on now. And I want to thank all of you for, for accepting this opportunity to look fully at the reality of the world through the eyes of the African and oppressed populations on this planet and to be open to contributing a real solution led by the African working class. And everything that, that I understand about the world comes from working and studying under the incredible leadership of Chairman Omali Shetela and the party of real people who have dedicated their lives to the liberation of Africa, regardless of the cost, personally, to the liberation of African people, not just protests, but with real power to make it so that there will never have to become, never have to be another police murder of a George Floyd or any other African person killed by the police every day. The party is about one thing and one thing only, and that is to end the suffering, the poverty, and the violence experienced by African people everywhere to regain their stolen resources for self-government for the entire population, no one at the expense of anyone else. The African People's Socialist Party is determined that African people will be free everywhere. In Africa, where 70% of the world's most impoverished people are forced to live based on the colonial le legacy on the richest continent on the planet, or whether African people are in Jamaica or the Caribbean or in Brazil, where African people make up half the population, but yet 78% of African people in Brazil are forced to live below the poverty line, or in Chicago or in the US in general, where we know that African people catch hell every single day. And this is why the party is waging a struggle for power and self-government, the only solution, the only answer. Because as white people, it's so easy for us to walk away, to walk right by the reality that is faced by African, indigenous and oppressed people every day. We have the ability to live in a convenient, sometimes blissful ignorance a self-imposed isolation from the rest of humanity, as, as Chairman O'Malley Chatella has called it. The chairman has said, quote, white people have been the subjects of history. Africans and others have been the objects of imperialist history. African people have been reduced to the voiceless, to invisibility in stature and significance. But what makes us see the world as it really is, 
because we can never come to this conclusion by ourselves, is the leadership and resistance of the African working class organizing to be free and liberated. This is what forces us to open our eyes, to open our hearts to the reality around us, to pay reparations in an honest and true way, returning what belongs to African people. It is a struggle for power led by the African working class. And what I, what I and we have learned from the African revolution is first of all, the profound humanity of the African population that, ex that continues to experience daily unspeakable violence I have learned that the struggles and contradictions coming to the surface in the U.S. and the world did not represent just a blot on U.S. history uh, or an anomaly from an otherwise good um, history and development of the United States or Europe or something that, that can be rectified with an empty apology. It is the essential question, as we have understood from Chairman O'Malley Shatella. And no matter how long that it continues to be pushed under the rug, it never goes away. It resurfaces again and again and again that the problem is colonialism, that the system is built on the enslavement of African people, on the genocide of the indigenous people, that capitalism was born of the assault on Africa, of the massive deaths of indigenous people and the colonization of the majority of human beings on the planet for centuries and centuries. And that the problem still today is colonialism, not the ideas in white people's heads, which African people could never be sure that, we, that those ideas would change and, and need not. Why? That's not their problem. What they are fighting to do is end a system that is by definition the foreign and alien domination of a whole people by an entire colonizing nation, by a colonial state for profit. And that colonial state is backed up by unity of the white colonizer population. This is, if we look at the truth <clears throat> about history in this country or life every day in America, we see that there's two Americas and that, and that African people face colonialism in Africa and elsewhere, but also right here inside the United States, that everything that African people experience is universal to what colonized people experience any other place in the world. And that the assault on Africa beginning in the year 1415 by Portugal, the kidnapping of African people, the turning of African human beings into commodities for sale, <clears throat> the stolen labor, the theft of Africa's vast resources on the continent of Africa that is still being stolen today, and the incredible genius of African people stolen, that is what birthed capitalism and maintains it today. And this is what created the wealth and power of the US, Europe, and white people wherever we are. This is the fundamental question. And until this is dealt with, nothing else 
Nothing else can be solved on this planet because it is the essential contradiction. It is the cause of climate change and oppression of women and, and the, the, the need for a struggle for LGBT. This is the essential question. Without dealing the question of, of colonialism, it cannot go forward, except for white people gaining rights at the expense of everyone else. Because Britain boasted that it ruled a colonial empire upon which the sun never set. And this history is not taught in British schools. Same with France, which was the second largest colonial power on the planet. But this is what created the world economy, the parasitic world economy. The, as the chairman says, the inescapable dialectic of capitalism, that the wealth of Europe and white people requires the poverty, oppression, suffering, and death of African people, indigenous people, and the people on the planet Earth. It is not that, oh, we got capitalism first, so um, we know how to do it right and everybody else doesn't. It is a dialectic. One is one side of the question. The poverty is the other side of the question. The world economy, the world trade, the so-called triangular trade that came out of the theft of African people, the whole world is connected and has been from the start. We didn't just have globalization in the 90s. The world was globalized through this process of Europe colonizing the entire planet. So you can look at the reality of having sugar from the plantations in the Caribbean and cotton from U.S. plantations in the U.S. South, teats and silk from China, carpets from the Middle East, coffee from Asia and Africa. This has been going on for centuries. This is world trade. This is how it was created for white people at the expense of everyone else. This is the basis of the stock market and Wall Street. In fact, the first slave market where African people were bought and sold was on Wall Street and the East River opening around the year 1711. The first office on Wall Street was in a cafe, a coffee house, not Starbucks, in 1793, Tontine's Cafe, where captains of the ships containing African human cargo docked their boats, got off and registered their cargo, and they were drinking coffee from Java, a Dutch colony of the same colonial power that stole New York, brought and kidnapped and forced Africans to this country to begin with and created the first stock market in the world in Amsterdam. So there's an infrastructure, a superstructure, as the chairman says, that is banking, university, medicines, law, the church, politics, art, literature, all on a pedestal of colonialism. That democracy and human rights for white people comes historically at the expense of the colonized. This is colonialism, self-centered opportunism on our part in love with ourselves, the colonizer and the colonized, the material basis of white privilege and our so-called good fortune that we are supposed to be thankful for on a holiday for genocide of the indigenous people while we eat ourselves sick, living in an oasis of white prosperity and happiness in a sea of suffering, poverty, and terror. African and colonized peoples have produced life for us, as the chairman has said, at the expense of producing life for themselves for the past 
600 years and that there is the ability of white people to be the state. White people and the state are the same thing. Recently in the news, we've seen that we've seen the, the, the stories about this horrible story in Canada of the Kamloops school where the bodies of 215 indigenous children, one of more than 146 schools were, were found, the bodies were found under the ground, in the grounds around that school. These so-called schools, it wasn't a school, it was a torture chamber, um, which functioned in Canada until 1996 where they stole the children from indigenous people and forced them in these schools, which the US did also, by the way, and beat the children, sexually abused them, used cattle prods on their bodies, threw them out windows, put them in, in, in buckets with, snake, with, with snakes. This was supported by the white population who are the colonizers, the settler colonizers in this country in relationship to the indigenous people. This is the white people's state. And during reconstruction, African people coming directly out of the chattel colonial slavery system in the period that was called reconstruction deposited $66 million in today's dollars into what was called the Freedmen's Bank. That money was stolen by the white manager of the Freedmen's Bank in 1874, and no one paid a price. No one paid a price. African people forced to, in, in violence during this period, forced to, to, to survive and take what little they had, saving their money, put it in there, no one paid a price for stealing $66 million from, from African people in 1874, just as today, and not not, that's not to mention the Field Order 15 that gave African people 400 acres of land along the Atlantic coast, which today would be worth billions of dollars. At the end of the Civil War, in January 1865, and then that land was taken away by the following September and given back to the plantation owners, the white people. That the white people state, the lives of African people like, like Hannah, Hannah here in St. Louis, where I am, we don't know her last name, but she was owned by a white man called William Harney. He couldn't find his keys one day and he beat her to death. And there's a street named after William Harney here in St. Louis, white people's state, the lynchings, the lynchings, the, the brutal festivals of white people that for a hundred years tortured, terrorized, murdered, slaughtered, mutilated African people, burnt them, lynched them, hung them from trees. With, that was festivals of dancing and, you know, vending wares and food sales and all of this with up to 10,000 white people or more at a lynching. No one paid a price. No white person ever was indicted for that. And that the first anti-lynching law passed Congress last year in February 2020. It's a white people's state. This is colonialism. This is why the struggle has to be for power. That African people were put into convict leasing with the motto after the Civil War, which were now owned by the state through Jim Crow laws arresting African people for everything that they did. That with the motto, one dies, get another. And it was, the convict leasing was the US government's 
form of reparations to the slave master, leasing out African people, working them to death to the former slave masters, who then became richer after the Civil War than they were before, and all of the Southern states' economies were rebuilt after the Civil War. It's a white people's state. And this is why Marcus Garvey movement fought for power, built institutions of economic development by and for African people. And that it was, it, it was a concept and understanding a practice that, that spread all over the world wherever African people were. That when Marcus Garvey held a huge convention at Madison Square Garden in 1920, African people came from all over the world, but the white left and the white people's state were among the forefront in destroying and imprisoning Garvey and the Garvey movement. But the Tulsa, the, the Wall Street, and uh, Black Wall Street, as we are suddenly re reading about it for the first time in the mainstream media, even in the Wall Street Journal, that was influenced by this Garvey movement, 1921, that white people in making this attack on Wall Street were automatically deputized and armed capable and, and deputized to murder, to destroy, and to loot the $22 million worth of assets that were there. That's the white people's state. And it continues today from the subprime mortgages where African people in 2009 lost $280 billion um, through the um, this, this subprime mortgage scam onto, onto African people to struggle for power and that there is a future there is a future for white people under the leadership of the African revolution. African working class must have a new world and it must be led by African people, oppressed and colonized people around the world and colonialism with its poverty, its police violence, its expectations of white complicity is not solved with a poverty program or defunding the police or the study of critical race theory or any other favor that the colonizers can give and take away. And that over the past centuries, with fierce African struggle, African people have fought for, built, accumulated wealth, accumulated, attempted to accumulate power, but it has been taken away with violence over and over and over again. That African People's Socialist Party is talking about power, is creating power in its own hands, and it's taking the power and self-government, such as with the Black Power Blueprint here in St. Louis or any of the other institutions, it's the only choice that African people has, have. That the party's International Tribunal on Reparations to African People was held in 1984 and ruled that $14 trillion in today's money is owed to African people in the US alone just for stolen labor. And that the ongoing looting from redlining to gentrification and let it rot policies, the looting of African people and the violence against African people continues unabated today inside the US and around the world. That the generational wealth to be passed down to the next generation held by white people predominantly is $68.4 trillion that is expected to be passed down in this period to the next generation from this legacy of the theft of African resources and labor. 
and that reparations as the return of stolen resources, not charity, it is not a favor, it is what is owned. And it's not even mentioning the question of pain and suffering. The party has been struggling for reparations for more than four decades as a revolutionary demand. The tribunal held, the International Tribunal on Reparations to African People made reparations a household word back in the 1980s. And the party has been winning reparations from white people since then. That has been the work of the African People's Solidarity Committee. And in studying the world through the lens of African internationalism, I believe, I know that the liberation of Africa, the unification of African people as one people around the world, the destruction of the false borders imposed on Africa is the inevitable trajectory of history. It is unstoppable. And so it should be. And all the millions and millions of African people who could not contribute to a world based on being forced to give their talents, their skills, their genius, their labor for the benefit of white people, that period is over. And that the African, under the leadership of the African working class, we are seeing the building of a world community of true socialism, not, not for a tiny percent of the world. And that reparations is a positive stand. And for all those who don't want to be part of the white people's state, who don't want to be the shock troops of imperialism and colonialism, it is our legacy. It is our self-criticism, our apology, our entry into the world in a principled, principled way, able to join the world community, able to, to look African people in the face to be human beings and our role in the future that provides for everyone, no one at the expense of anyone else. This is the way that we can be part of changing the world through the, uh, through the inevitable, absolutely powerful struggle of African people to be free that is playing out and winning in the world today. Victory to African people, unity through reparations, what will our legacy be, Uhuru? You're listening to Reparations in Action. Reparations now! This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, the White Lies Shattered series, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. This episode was engineered by Marcel Marius, who also composed our theme music. The show is researched and produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96.3 FM studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Akile Anayi and DJ Eddie Maltzby, as well as the entire Reparations in Action team, Sandra Forrest, Johan Bedingfield, Amanda Carlozzi, Kyle Weiss, Marissa Ricchetti, Ali Aiello, Alana Woods, Declan Keller, Hallie Murray, and Sarah Ritterspock. If you liked what you heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email them to us at ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to the African People's Socialist Party's Chairman Omali Yeshitela, without whose leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible. 
Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.